You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and today I welcome a very special guest. In her role as Dr. Juniper Ellis, she is Professor of English at Loyola University, Maryland, where her teachings focus on liberation and hope. As Swami Nityananda, she has dedicated her life and career to helping humans live in joy and freedom. Her work has been supported by Fulbright Grants, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation, as well as other national and international awards. She is the spiritual teacher and spiritual leader at Awake Yoga Meditation. Swami, welcome to the show. Heather, thank you. It's amazing to talk with you. I'm so excited about today's conversation, but before we jump into some of these topics, why don't you spend just a couple of minutes introducing yourself to the audience? Absolutely. So on screen, my name is Swami Nityananda, and I serve as a meditation teacher and a teacher of yoga philosophy at Awake Yoga Meditation. We are a meditation community in Baltimore, Maryland, geographically, and we welcome listeners from all over. So you're welcome to hop on Zoom or hop on YouTube if you'd like to meditate with us. It's amazing fun. And then I also serve as full professor of English at Loyola University, and my students there call me Dr. Ellis or Professor Ellis. Uh, The name on my driver's license is Juniper Ellis. So we were chatting before we started recording about how we've had some parallel experiences in terms of getting our PhD, being in academia. And then at some point, something happened and we decided, hey, let's let's start exploring some other ways of being. And I would love to know, how did you become a meditation teacher when your day job is teaching English at a university? Sure, absolutely. I mean, so if I could back it all the way up to the beginning, and I'm inviting listeners to do the same thing. My earliest memories, I grew up in Washington State, and I grew up surrounded by nature. So the part of the state I grew up in, it's like mountains and lakes and evergreens and also really hard winters. So I'm not meaning to romanticize it. But I was aware of nature, and I was aware of my body, and I was aware that they were interconnected. And so that's like my earliest memory. And so that just sort of natural awareness that yoga philosophy and meditation help us connect with has been part of me forever. Um, So I'm really thankful for that. And then what happened was I was a young professor, and I can't actually remember. I probably had tenure at that point. And two weeks in a row, a friend said to me, you should do yoga. And the first time I heard a friend say, you should do yoga. And I was like, okay. And then the second time a friend said, you should do yoga. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't really do yoga. And that friend um, lived between where I live and the yoga studio. And so for a couple of years, I would just pick up that friend on the way to yoga. And I just instantly fell in love with yoga, almost immediately started meditating as well. And so for me, I noticed just an immediate shift in my body. My spine felt taller, for example. And I noticed that the breath practices that are part of yoga Like, I remember stepping out of my office at work and just noticing, oh, my breath is always here with me the same way that it is in my yoga practice. And so 
the meditation and the yoga and the breath have just been part of my journey for so many years. Like, I guess I would say probably about 20 years. And then in 2010, I met my meditation teacher. So my meditation teacher was Swami Shankarananda. He was the one who consecrated me as Swami Nityananda. And he founded our meditation community, Awake Yoga Meditation. And so for me, meeting my teacher was like meeting the sun in human form. <laughs> like he was just so filled with light and joy and energy and radiance and vitality. And so that was a huge catalyst in just, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. I think, so I gave as an example for myself that I think each human has a natural connectedness. And for me, that comes in nature a lot. And then I also connect with that same awareness actually in stories. That's one of the reasons why I love teaching and I love the university classroom so much because that same sort of discovery and aliveness and joy and curiosity and exploration is there in stories. And it's also there in the classroom. It's very alive and dynamic in the classroom for me. And so I would just say that the practices of yoga, the practices of breath, um, the practices of meditation just helped me connect with and, and sort of unfold that which was already with me. So for listeners, I think the invitation is to connect yourself with what are your natural avenues of remembrance, like remembering your own feeling of wholeness, your own feeling of calm, your own feeling of peace. And it's simple. It's already with you. It's like do I love to work in the garden and dig my fingers into the earth? Do I love to take a step outside and just like look at the sky and see the clouds? Or do I love to sit under a tree for five minutes? Or do I love to bake or sing or dance um, or take a bath? I mean, it's the very, very simple things for each listener that help you connect with, this is who I am, my own simple, pure, natural self-awareness. It's always with me. So it doesn't have to be invented or discovered. It's already there and you already know. So when you turn within and you make that connection and you just ask, like, what are the avenues that help me be my own true, pure, clear awareness? You will know. And so just to, to give every listener that invitation, to turn within and ask and make that self-connection and then to trust that self-connection, it's with you always. So to make it a part of your day. So in the morning, for example, before you look at your phone or before you start tackling the to-do list, even to take like a couple breaths or a couple moments to connect with that pure energy um, and then to allow that pure energy to just infuse you, to fill the cells of your body, to sort of fill your heart and have this feeling of joy overflowing within you. And then to allow that to be what moves you throughout the day. I also just want to be the first to acknowledge we have created a culture where every human that I know of has a to-do list that's longer than we can possibly do. So this, this helps you very, very practically. This is the most incredibly pragmatic practice that you can engage in. The five minutes that you take in the morning, you will more than get back throughout the day. It just gives you a sense of, oh, this is my next priority. And I can allow this strain to melt away. Oh, this is the next step. And if I put my attention and my focus on this right now, that's actually um, sort of like the fulcrum 
that will allow the whole rest of this project to unfold or will bring peace and harmony to my family or will bring joy to myself in such a way that I have this feeling of, I can do this, you know, like I've got this, I have the ability to keep going. And what yogis and meditators say, and it's the truth, is that as we do this, then step by step, moment by moment, choice by choice, we connect with guidance. We connect with this awareness. It's already with us. And so again, it's not like we have to rush out and go somewhere else to find this. It's here already. And it helps us connect with and then trust and be strengthened by that wisdom and that joy and that awareness that's with us always. Swami, you've said so many things there that I'd love to comment on. And I want to start with I'm so impressed that it only took someone suggesting twice for you to go to yoga. I had a physical therapist after I gave birth to my twins. I had a lot of um, physical issues with my neck and my back. And I had a physical therapist who was on me. Heather, if you would just go to yoga, you would not need to keep coming to me. And I resisted it. So there may be listeners out there who are thinking, gosh, I've heard Heather have a lot of guests on here that talk about yoga, talk about meditation, and that's just not for me. I want to say, I hear you. I get you. I was there. But just like your experience, this connection with my body and my breath ended up being incredibly transformative. And, you know, true confession, I did not belong to a yoga studio. I got myself a little DVD back in the day, right? Now you can stream stuff all day long from YouTube. Um, I do it every morning, you know, in my bedroom, pending the amount of time that I have. Maybe it's a five minute practice. Maybe it's an hour practice. But what you said in terms of starting your day, it's almost like choose your own adventure. I don't know if you guys read those books, but my brother used to love them when we were growing up. You wake up, you you open your eyes. And at that moment, are you going to jump out of bed? and be run by this unrealistic to-do list and have feelings of overwhelm and stress that's going to impact your relationships, impact the quality of your work? Or, dear listener, are you going to choose to spend just a few minutes changing the course of your day? And sometimes I think the resistance is because we're saying it's simple and people think, it can't be that easy. But Swami, what do you say when people say, come on, a few minutes, is that really going to make a difference? So very practically, I mean, I, I can I can just share at Awake Yoga Meditation, the meditation community where I share meditation teachings and yoga philosophy teachings. We have people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. So this includes like doctors and dentists and lawyers and surgeons, and it includes CEOs. It also includes people who work in healing modalities and includes teachers. So just people from all walks of life and very consistently, and I mean, they don't talk about this, but I'll comment. You'll notice those are sort of like high-performance, high-stress jobs, potentially. Um, what they very consistently report is that the amount of time that they meditate in the morning, and then some of them also have a meditation practice like midday or in the evening when they're transitioning like from work into family life and into the rest of the day, they more than get back the time that they spend. And so this is like everything from a songwriter who connects with a flow of inspiration by meditating a few minutes in the morning and then 
sitting down and just taking a few breaths like midday if there's been a feeling of, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of stuck at this particular moment. And so just a few breaths can reconnect with that current of insight and energy and inspiration. Um, and the same thing is true for CEOs or doctors or surgeons or dentists or lawyers. Whatever your work is, you'll just find that what you're doing, and it actually is way simpler than the human mind wants to make it. It's it's your own pure awareness. It's your own sense of joy. It's your own sense of curiosity. It's your own sense of innate intelligence and knowing. And we're all connected to this innate intelligence and knowing. And that is what helps you be your best self. So it's what for parents, it's what allows you to just be calm and keep your sense of humor and let it roll off you if your kid's having a meltdown or your partner or your spouse or you are having a meltdown. You can sort of allow it just to, like the way that you've ever seen a dog or a swan, they can shake water off. And so so the droplets of water don't stick to them. So as we move through our day, definitely we all receive invitations to be stressed or to be worried or to react or to feel overwhelmed. And this just gives us clarity and the ability to pause and just for a single breath, take a moment and choose. Like, would I like to decide to respond from a place of kindness and humor and wisdom and insight and responsiveness rather than reacting? And so this just gives us self-awareness. It gives us awareness of what our energy patterns are. So every human, if we're here in a body, if we have human emotions, we have human thoughts, we have energy patterns. And so what these teachings of yoga and meditation and breath help you do is have self-awareness and then the ability to balance. Um, so I can give a really practical example. In my work currently, I spend a lot of time seated and so I know yoga postures that I can do, they might only take three minutes that just counterbalance that seated posture. And then there are days when I have a lot of standing hours for my work, and then I know yoga posters that I can do that counterbalance the standing. And so it's just a way to refresh. It's a way to reset. And the yoga postures actually help your brain function. They help your sleep. They help your immune system. They help the joy and the kindness that you're able to bring into your relationships, but also your clients or if you have supervisees or working with uh, your students, whoever you're working with, it just helps you be your fully present, fully aware, joyful and calm and free best self right where you are, right in the midst of daily life. And I think that truth that you shared, that it's something we already have is so empowering, right? We don't have to create this. Really, the invitation that you're giving to the listeners is to pause just long enough to rediscover what you already have. It's with you. This joy, this insight, this inspiration is with you. And so you were talking about at the beginning of the day. And so I would actually say before you look at your phone, just set an intention, whatever intention you would love to fill your day with. So if you would love to have a day filled with peace and joy, set your intention. And then allow yourself to use your platforms, so your phone, your screens, like whatever devices you connect with, let them help you connect with peace and joy. And if you notice that you're connecting with them in a way that's not promoting peace and joy, then practice discernment and choose to use those devices in a different way. So for example, I took a walk with two neighbors and their dog this morning, and they were talking about 
they can have a temptation to check their phone in the middle of the night. And that can be a disruption. So that can get your nervous system activated in a way that really affects your sleep, which in turn has ripple effects. And then conversely, each of us can choose how would I like to engage with this technology? Like my phone is right here on the table. So I'm part of this culture too. I love my phone, but it's face down right now. And I will choose when I would like to turn it face up. And it's on silent right now. So I will choose when I would like to take it off of silent. You know, one of my previous guests, Daniel C., offered a radical suggestion. And that was, what happens if you sleep with your phone in a different room? And so you wake up and instead of grabbing for that phone that, like you said, will automatically get your nervous system kind of ramped up and going, you take a moment to set an intention for the day. And I'm curious, when you're talking to other students or people that you're working with, when you're teaching the meditation, do you teach them to pick one, you know, whatever pops into their head and breathe that for a few minutes? We may have listeners that are saying, okay, so I'm going to wake up and what exactly am I going to do here? I think every human benefits from having a feeling of calm and clarity. And so those would be two to work with. And if you like, you can work with those for three days, like three days in the morning. Like I just, I choose to focus on calm and clarity today. And then notice as you connect with calm and clarity, joy will also arise naturally. So when we're in contact with the energy of calm, There's a spontaneous connectedness with joy as well. But if you're feeling a lot of tension or something like that, then you could say something like, I choose to connect with peace. I choose to connect with that feeling of inner freedom, like allowing the tightness that can accumulate around the neck and the shoulders. I just choose to melt that away. And then any time throughout the day, if you become aware that those tension patterns are arising again, you can just take a single breath and you can actually breathe into the feeling of tension and you can dissolve it. And you can just, I breathe calm, I breathe clarity, I breathe peace into my body. And if your mind is going into those sort of like recurring thought patterns and you're finding it not helpful, you can just breathe calm, breathe clarity, breathe peace into your own mind. And then notice that when you turn your attention to your next task or your next meeting or your next decision, that there will be an expansiveness. There will be an awareness of fresh possibility that was not there when we were sort of narrowing our focus. And almost like um, we can revert to the, the same automatic patterns. And so What yogis say, and this is the truth, is we each have the ability to create positive new pathways in our own brain and in our own nervous system. And so every time you choose to focus on calm and clarity and peace or joy, if joy is what you would love to help create, then you are actually creating new pathways in the brain. And imaging studies verify this. So yogis have shared these teachings for millennia, but fMRI and other imaging studies now can verify the different areas of the brain that that transform as we put these practices into motion. And I would also just say, be steady in your practice and be patient. I remember when I first started the physical practice of yoga postures, just noticing like the transformation continues in every pose, whether you've done the pose 20 days or 20 years. And so just to notice it's different every single time. 
there's a freshness, there's um, like an emotional reset that happens every single time you breathe that breath of clarity and calm and peace, or you enjoy a forward bend, or you do legs up the wall to help yourself reset if you've been on your feet a lot or if you've been sitting a lot. And so those are just examples. And all of those things, they're easily searchable online, as you said. So you can find videos on YouTube or you can find still photos and they can give just an incredible gift to ourselves. Even if you only have three breaths to do a yoga posture, give yourself that gift if you feel inspired. Again, so much that you've said there. I want to take a moment to talk about this idea of expansion because what I personally have noticed is that these types of practices do two things that you brought up. One is they expand time. It's crazy, right? Because I will have people say to me, I don't have time for this. And I say, well, okay, I get it. I used to think that way too, but it's an investment because once you tap into your intuition, you make better choices. You make fewer mistakes. You know, like you were saying, what is the next thing I need to do? What is the next thing? You're more effective. So this little bit of time that we spend reconnecting, discovering this, this inner joy, this inner calm, this inner peace, it's actually a time saver. Would you agree? I totally agree. And I love your description. It does expand time. And I would also say it also very practically helps us expand opportunities, connections, possibilities. You're absolutely right about that as well. Synchronicities come up. That's probably my favorite thing that I get so curious about. Oh, I wonder what is going to happen today. I wonder what new person I'm going to meet today or new idea I'm going to have today, right? It really facilitates this curiosity, which I think is such an important trait, not just for everyone, but in particular graduate students. What I wanted to share with the audience was, as you were talking again, all these things, the research is out there. These teachings that have been around for a very long time are now backed by science. Feel free to Google it if you need to and go back to the original peer-reviewed you know, studies. But personally, for me, I have been spending the past, oh, I don't know, 15 years making friends with my monkey mind, which tends to be something I come across a lot in a university setting. And so I want to share some of the ways that I've used technology. You were saying, hey, you've got this technology. How are you going to use it? I do use a Mindfulness Bell app. I don't know if you have clients or, you know, students that do do that. It's that one little chime that will go off every, you know, depending on my day, 15 minutes, half hour. And it reminds me to come back to my breath because sometimes I forget about that. And in terms of first thing in the morning, seriously, even though I've been practicing this for over a decade, there were days I would get out of bed and I'm like, how did I not do my intention setting or right? It's just so human. It's like these programs in me are so deep that I literally have huge, they're probably about two feet in, in height, vinyl letters that I have pasted to the wall that I see when I wake up that say, I am. So first thing in the morning when I wake up, I go, okay, what am I going to be today? Today I am present. Today I am calm. Today I am compassionate. You know, whatever it is that I need. And so I just want the listeners out there who say, hey, I've tried this type of stuff. My mind is like a hamster on a wheel. Everyone says this works great, but I don't have that experience. I hear you. I get you. But there are little simple things that you can do. Change your screensaver. Right on your bathroom mirror, 
to remind yourself and with just a few minutes a day and some consistency, I have no doubt you're going to experience all the wonderful things that we've been talking about today. Thank you for the the practical tips. And I echo, they work. Um, so they're they're wonderful. They really work. And one of the things my teacher taught was that anything you put after I am, you help activate that. So whatever you would love to help create in your day, Heather just exemplified this. Like, I am present. I am focused. I am compassionate. I am aware. I am excited. Like, I am grateful. I am um, filled with laughter. I am enjoying my day today. You will help activate whatever you place after I am. So that's just one observation. Um, and then to, to trust, for each listener to trust your own awareness of what would be most helpful for you to help create and what would be most helpful for you to help energize. And then just to enjoy giving yourself that gift of focusing on that and allowing that to be part of your day. And if our conversation today has inspired you, I want you to know in the show notes, there's going to be a lot of information where you can learn more. But before we wrap up this episode, do you have a favorite quote or some final words of wisdom you want to leave with the audience? I think above all, I would just tell anyone who is in a doctoral program, trust your ability to navigate whatever it is you are navigating. Trust the brilliance of the light within you. You have so many gifts. And so that cohort you are in, it's not complete without you. So trust the value of your own contributions and the field in which you are studying, you will help expand the possibilities that are present in that field. So trust all of the wisdom that you come already bearing. Trust your life experiences. Trust your background. Trust everything that life has given you so far and allow that to help strengthen you and help you have a feeling of dedication and a feeling of confidence and an ability just to keep going and keep your sense of humor and you will get through this step by step, moment by moment, choice by choice. And the field and the cohort and the discipline and the world are better because of what you're doing. So thank you. What a great way to wrap up today's episode. And you have got a book out. And so we'll tease the audience a bit here. I'm going to invite you back and we're going to dive into that book in a future episode. So stay tuned for that. And Again, thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, and your insights with us today. Heather, thanks for your amazing spirit of inquiry and generosity. It's a joy to talk with you. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Until then, if you're looking for more ways to invite joy in your journey, check out the free resources at expandyourhappy.com. You'll find downloads like an article I wrote titled, The Doctoral Journey, 12 Things You Need to Know That They Probably Won't Tell You. You'll also find a PDF that organizes all podcasts by the seven steps detailed in the Happy Doc Student Handbook, which you can also find on the website. Finally, if you're looking for a Happy Doc Student swag, I've got that too. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. And if you want to make my day, rate and review so that together we can change the way doctoral education is delivered and experienced. Hey, one more thing. Just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 